Welcome and thank you for tuning in to the Now You Know podcast with your host, Pastor Mark Vega. Hey, God bless you. This is Pastor Mark Vega with another episode of Now You Know. I want to thank you guys who have subscribed. I want to thank you for constantly listening, giving feedback, sharing, enjoying. We've gotten feedback of how how amazing these podcasts have been to you, and that's why we do it. We don't want to just come from a theological perspective. We want pragmatic practice. We want to be able to make the Word of God tangible and palpable so that you can walk it out every single day of your life. And so I want to thank you today for tuning in. Listen, it's been a fascinating year for me personally, for our family, for our ministry, for everything that we are that we're involved in we've just seen tremendous growth and tremendous miracles and signs and wonders whether it's spiritual whether it's healing whether it's relational whether it's ministerial whether it's marital god has outdone himself in 2022 and i'm ex- i'm excited about 2023 because i know it's going to be even greater god wants greater for you and so right now we are about to, this is being recorded on the brink of entering December. The weather is getting crispy. Everything is starting to look like Christmas and the trees and the lights and mistletoe and food and get-togethers and gatherings. It is my favorite part of the year. And I want to talk to you today. I want to I want to bring this podcast specifically to you, to your phone, to your home, to your car, to your walk, whatever it is, however it is that you're listening to it. But I want to talk to you about a forgotten subject. It's called prevenient grace, prevenient grace. And it's the theology or the term for hospitality. For years, hospitality has been reduced to and diluted to become a luxury it's almost yeah that's nice if you're hospitable it's cool but nothing can be further from the truth it is actually the foundation of philippians chapter number two and you have to go to law to the law first mention god in his infinite mercy and in his grace he extended to us the gentiles what he had purposed specifically for the jews salvation was for the Jews. And here's what he did. He opened the door so that you and I, if you're not Jewish, so that you and I can be engrafted, can be adopted, can be ingrained, can be intertwined, can be inculcated into his family. How did he do that? He did that through the spirit of hospitality. And I don't know if you, I don't know if you're getting this, but he did it through the spirit of hospitality. What does that even mean? We're going to break that down for you. The spirit of hospitality. Another, in other words, God saw it fit to propose to us, strangers and enemies of God, the same exact privileges that he had originally intended for his people. And we're going to, we're going to break this down. And one of the greatest myths one of the greatest myths in society today is that you have to protect your privacy. And this is something that that we see so constant. Protect your privacy. And let me let me tell you, people sometimes take it to an extreme. 
I believe in privacy must be protected, guarded. But when you look at Jesus, every single miracle Jesus did, he did it diametrically opposed to the concept of privacy protection. As a matter of fact, Jesus was interrupted. His agenda was interrupted. His day was interrupted. He never left his home in Capernaum. He never left his home saying, these are my to-dos. I'm going to heal someone. I'm going to heal a leopard. I'm going to heal someone with leprosy and someone that's blind, someone that's paralytic. I'm going to raise someone from the dead. He didn't set out to do those things. He was walking out his call and unbeknownst to him, he would get interrupted by necessities by needs and this is powerful we see that in scripture this is important for you to understand because here's what i mean i've been in the i've been under faith i was born and raised in the faith i turned away from the faith and for some years i went into the military after the persian gulf war had an encounter with god in tampa florida and i was supposed to be here for two weeks i it's been 30 years and i'm still here and little did i know that my wife that my future was here in Florida. My destiny, everything that God had was going to be branched and rooted here in Florida. And even though I've gone to different parts of the world to preach this gospel, right? My base became, my home became Florida. Now, I remember going to seminary. I remember going to Bible Institute. I remember learning as I was developing my call and I was getting resourced in what I felt I needed to, areas that I needed to, I remember hearing a lot about personality personality assessments, DISC assessments. And the, the summation of it was that we understood whether we were introverted, whether we were extroverted, whether we were ambiverted. And even though that has its place, hear me out now, that has its place, it is important to know how, you, how, how you're wired your hard case, your motherboard, that's important. But it does not exonerate us from operating in the spirit of prevenient grace. It does not exonerate us from that. So there are two Greek words in the New Testament that are rendered in English as hospitality. The first word is philoxenia, philoxenia, which literally means a lover of strangers. It is a lover of strangers. In other words, according to the Bible, and I want you to get this now, according to the Bible, hospitality does not refer to us hosting our friends, our family, parrandeando, right, un matutino in Spanish, Christmas caroling. That's cool, and it's good, and it's necessary. It is a necessary component to build, establish, and nourish community within the context of spiritual ecclesia. But hospitality, when you talk about hospitality, it refers to us opening up our homes to people we have never met. Now, here's the problem with those assessments. Remember introverts that almost thought that because they because the consensus or because the computation of that personality assessment was that I'm an introvert, I felt exonerated to not evangelize. I felt exonerated 
to not share with a stranger. I felt like God made me this way. He understands and he has no expectation of me going out of my way, roll my window down to give someone a $5 bill to help somebody, to give someone a word of encouragement because God knows that I don't really like people. I don't really like crowds. I suffer from several disorders that exonerate me from walking out what the Bible tells me is imperative. And let me just tell you, I I was very timid. I didn't like speaking in crowds. But when I came in contact, when I understood, when I gained knowledge that the Holy Spirit lived inside of me, isn't that crazy? He is the counselor. He lives inside of you and he will help you. He'll give you boldness and power to speak what he knows, to break every limitation, to break past every margin, to break past every impediment, to strengthen every insufficiency. I remember when I was baptized in the Holy Spirit, my life changed. My perspective was different. I became bolder. I remember I became more in what I wanted to do, more fervent, more tenacious, more bodacious. I became a lover, not just of God, but a lover of those around me, whether they were churched or whether they were unchurched. Now, I want you to get this because this is important, right? When Paul is writing to the church, he's building the church from a prison, from several prisons. And he starts at Roman. He's a young man. He pens down in Romans 13, 2. He says, contribute to the needs of the saints and seek to show hospitality. Now, he's talking about showing hospitality to the saints. Now, you got to remember, Paul was a murderer of those same saints. Paul was one of the reasons why Christians were being devoured, were being literally skinned alive, beheaded, sawed in half, boiled in oil. They were exiled to die. They were torn to pieces by animals. They were they were devoured by lions. Paul was a proponent. Paul, as a matter of fact, Stephen's garments are thrown at his feet when he is a young man by the name of Saul. He knew that the greatest element the church had to contend and to counterattack those oppressive uh, fiery flames, those oppressive missiles, those oppressive weapons were through hospitality because the saints would demonstrate hospitality one to another, especially early Christians. Most of them could not afford hotels. They did not lodge in houses like we know today when traveling, but depended on the provision of other believers. Believe that. Now, that's what he writes in Romans chapter number 12, verse number 13. I hope you're getting it. Look at, look what the, look at what the Bible says in Hebrews. Now, this is powerful. Hebrews chapter number 13 verse number two, Hebrews chapter number 13, verse number two, he says, do not neglect, the writer of Hebrews says, do not neglect to show hospitality to strangers. Now, let me just tell you, if you've never read that verse, part B is amazing because it says, 
by doing so, some have entertained angels unaware. So angels do take the form of people that are impoverished and in need. Why? To test the hospitality of believers. Listen to that. Angels, one of their assignments is to test us to see whether we're going to display hospitality as Christ instituted. Now look at First Timothy chapter number 3, verse number 2. I want you to get this now. Again, First Timothy chapter number 3, verse number 2. Here's what he's saying. He's saying now, if anyone, therefore anyone, if you want to aspire to be an overseer, a pastor, you want to be in ministry, you want to do ministry as a vocation, you must be above reproach. You must be the husband of one wife. You must be sober-minded. You must be self-controlled. You must be respectable. You must be admirable. Guess what the next one is? You must be hospitable. You have to be hospitable. Why? It's a theological principle. Do you know that a second Greek word for hospitality is xenodokeo? Xenodokeo is a compound of xenos, which means stranger or someone without the knowledge of, without a share in. Dokeo means to receive, to give an ear, to take by the hand, to embrace, to receive into one's family or to bring up or educate. Hospitality then extends even to taking by the hand and embracing into one's family. The other who has no sharing or knowledge of one's own identity and life and values. Ain't that powerful? So hospitality is a principle. I love the way Peter writes it in 1 Peter chapter number 4, verse number 9. He says, 1 Peter chapter number 4, verse number 9, show hospitality to one another without grumbling. Now, why why would he say without grumbling? Because doing good sometimes can make you grow and can put you in a complaining state when you're doing it just out of necessity or out of flesh. When you do it with a cheerful heart, a grateful heart, a grateful spirit, you do it and you do it without grumbling. Isn't that powerful? It's almost as if the entire concept, theological a praxis for hospitality is to make your faith demonstrative through actions of invitation. Man, that powerful. Why is there such a different vibe at Christmas? I believe because that is where people are displaying hospitality. And hospitality, my friend, is purely spiritual. So here's what I want you to get, right? Here's what I want you to get. I want you to get this, right? In society today, the number one excuse given by whether you're, as I've heard it come from, I've heard it come from Xers, I've heard it come from millenniums, from millennials, I've heard it Gen Y, even Gen Z, right? Here it is. 
we nobody understands me nobody gets me it's just that it's just that you don't get me you don't understand me you don't get what i'm saying it's almost as if the it's almost as if the enemy is doing everything that he can to make you feel like you're an outcast right outcasted by people's ignorance because no one can relate to you no one can understand you no one listens to you nothing can be further from the truth because God listens, God hears, and God understands. And this is why this is important, is because we were born our mission, isn't it? Have you ever thought, have you ever thought, whenever you do a good deed for someone, whenever you go above and beyond, whenever you help someone, whenever you bless someone, whenever you, you do something extraordinary, whether it's, it's an extraordinary gift, whether you take food to your neighbor, whether you give someone, you roll your window down, you, you talk to people, you give them a word, you give them encouragement, you give them money, somebody in that grocery store, you're about to check out and somebody behind you, you just get pricked to pay for their groceries or to fill up someone's tank of gas and just things to give that waitress not 15 percent, but give her a hundred dollar bill or give her 50 or going above and beyond not because you want to be trumpeted but simply because it's founded in love imagine being a chef right and you make exquisite meals the problem is you only make it for yourself imagine being a mechanic you are a class A mechanic, but you only get under a car if it's your car. Imagine being a believer and you do good deeds, but the only good deeds you do is when you're going to benefit from them. That's sort of like how we run our lives, right? Black Friday, you see people getting up at 4 in the morning, 5 in the morning, even still, 4 in the morning, 5 in the morning, camping out because a new gadget's coming out, a new television. It's going to be an extraordinary deal. And they're camping, they're making, they have a tent, they got heaters. It's like they are, they're camping as long as it takes because they're going to, I would not have a problem with that if it were you in line to get a flat screen for a single mom who can't afford it. Luke chapter number 14 and this is again this is not this is jesus talking and he's talking in luke 14 he says something so powerful in luke chapter number 14 so simple to understand and it's 14 12 through 14 again luke chapter 14 verse 12 to 14 he says he said to he said also to the man who had invited him when you give a dinner or a banquet do not invite your friends or your brothers or your relatives or rich neighbors, lest they also invite you in return and you be repaid. Did you get that? Lest you also, lest you also get invited in return and you be repaid. Here's what he's saying. He's saying, do not invite people that can invite you back. Do not do that. But when you, here's verse 13. Luke 14, 13. But when you give a feast, invite the poor, the crippled, the lame, the blind, and you will be blessed because they cannot repay you. For you will be repaid at the resurrection of the just. So the magnitude of your blessing is predicated upon the depth of their need. The greater the need, is going to catapult you 
into a magnanimous blessing. That's what he's saying. He's saying, do not. Jesus also said, don't greet people that have greeted you first. He says, don't pagans do that? You say, yo, what's up? Because somebody said, what's up to you? Or good morning. And then you say, good morning back. He said, pagans do that. Be the first one to greet someone. Show hospitality. Let your faith be demonstrative. Come out of your comfort zone. Come out of your, not only your comfort zone, but come out of your, <clears throat> come out of your own space and get into somebody else's space. You were made to fill someone's tank. Now, let me, I'm going to close out with this here because <clears throat> I think it's important. When salvation, one of the byproducts of salvation, right, soteriology, one of the one of the byproducts of it is proclaiming the gospel. And you hear that. Preach the word. Jesus said that. Mark 16, 15. Go to the world and preach. <clears throat> proclaiming the gospel. Another one is healing and comfort. We speak about that. That's pretty trendy. Proclaim the gospel. Heal. Comfort. Forgive reconcile your minister of reconciliation right <clears throat> forgive luke 16 luke 17 make disciples right that's our purpose make the disciples and you hear these things do good we expounded a little bit on that doing good do good share your bread share your food do that when we came up to gain when we came to Gainesville, florida I love going to the park, and there were a lot of homeless people. At, there's a park here called Bodily Plaza, and I remember ordering. I would frequently, once a week, I would order pizza, and we'd have two, three, four boxes of pizza, and I'd break out my Domino's. I always had a, a box of Domino's in my truck, and I'd just break out, and I would have, it was so, that was so medicinal for me. It was therapeutic for me, and I would hear their stories, and hear their challenges. And I didn't do this, I didn't do this for a week. We did this for a couple of years. And let me just tell you, um, for me it was a delight. It wasn't laborious. It wasn't, oh God, the drudge the drudgery of ministry. No, no. It was beautiful because and a lot of those guys ended up coming to our church, getting saved. A lot of those guys, God did amazing things, but it just started with me displaying hospitality and i don't like to share that george steinbrenner one of the greatest owners of professional sports new york yankee owner he said when more than one person knows your good deed you did it for the wrong reason so privacy we talk about privacy i don't really put on instagram things that we do that my wife and i do because our mantra is i if the if i exhibit if we exhibit what we do, I think the applause of people or people commenting are, are gonna be the reward. I rather I rather make my faith demonstrative in private and let God reward it however He wants, and He usually is gonna do it in public. But doing good, sharing your bread, we talk about that. Sharing your bread if your brother needs something. I'm born and raised in the Bronx back in the 70s while the Bronx was burning. Landlords were upside down on their buildings. It made great war games 
for the guys from the block because we go into different abandoned buildings and we have teams. We played something called Manhunt. If you're from the hood, you know what I'm talking about. But <clears throat> this is before before this is before Call of Duty, it was before all of that. We had we literally played war games and it was tremendous. We leap off buildings, break bones, snap ankles. It was fun. Can I tell you that there was such a camaraderie and so much community within within the neighborhoods, especially in the urban settings. Going to somebody's house, going to someone's apartment, asking them for milk or sharing a meal or somebody bringing sugar or somebody getting bread, and it was almost it was almost normal. It was normal. It was normal. And here's the crazy thing about it is that most people that operated like this, they weren't even churched. There were people that had no faith. Now, through the years, I've understood that God brands you. We don't have the image of God. We are the image of God. And so that means that we have everyone, to everyone has been given a spirit. And that spirit is going to levitate to those principles that are God-given. And it's almost like an innate desire to help others. I know people that are different faiths. They help others. 9-11, when 9-11 happened and any national calamity, any catastrophic incident that has occurred in our nation, the first responders, other than police officers and firemen, etc., first responders have been the church. The churches have opened their doors ecumenically, Presbyterian, Presbyterian, I'm sorry, Baptist, Evangelical, White Church, Brown Church, Black Church, you name it, churches open their church because it is innately branded in us that we serve the needs of others. The moment we stop doing that is the moment that we understand that we are backsliding. We're going backward. We're either drifting to Christ or we're drifting from Christ. And let me just tell you, sharing your bread Doing good, and that's a natural, that is an automatic behavior that comes the moment that you are branded by God. Now, there are two big ones that we haven't mentioned that we talked about proclaiming the gospel, healing and comforting. We talked about forgiveness and reconciliation. We talked about making disciples. We, we mentioned reigning, right? We are reigning as sons and daughters of the king, right? We're doing good. We're sharing our bread, right? Another one is opening opening your home, making your home a sanctuary, making your home a, a an oasis for those that need a drink, making it a river of life. Now, this is important because we live in a time where every day we're told to guard our privacy. But I promise you, if with discretion, if with wisdom, you allow God to lead you to make your home a make your home a a place. A, it's almost uh, it's almost like a peniel, right? 
It's almost <clears throat> a place where you can have a calm day or face-to-face -face encounter with God, not because you're going to be praying for two, three hours, but because you're going to invite someone, you're going to invite someone over your home to enjoy a meal. Man, what would happen if you would identify two or three families in 2023 and you'd invite them over to enjoy a meal and you break bread together, but you do it within the confines of your home. You open up your home for these to come in and to experience the glory of the light. And here's what it does. The last principle is it ransoms the captives. In other words, I'm going to say that again. It's ransoming the captives. In other words, my momentary affliction of uncomfortability because I feel like I'm an introvert and I don't like people. I don't like inviting anyone to my house. It's my sanctum. It's my home. It's my resting place. But when you are willing to become uncomfortable so that God can be glorified, you're ransoming the captives, those that are being held by blindfolds, darkened minds, right? Pitch black hearts, hardened hearts, church hurt. Perhaps another saint, another believer gave him a bad, gave Christ a bad rap. And now they lost faith in God. They've lost faith in the church. They've lost faith in anything. You are that only opportunity. You might be that only opportunity that they have. What if you invited them to come in your home just to have coffee, to break bread? <clears throat> what would that look like? I remember when we moved, when we moved to our house in Riverview, Florida, man, I'd invite people over to watch boxing fights. Let me tell you something. I've seen people give their hearts to the Lord. They had strayed from God. <clears throat> and simply because I found out that they, they were Boston Red Sox fans. God help them. But they were Boston Red, Fox, Red Sox fans. They'd come to the house. One particular young man came to the house as a Red Sox fan. And he saw the entire series. We saw the entire series. And we struck a friendship. And he came to church. And he gave his heart to the Lord. And today he is serving the Lord. He is married. He has a newborn child. Right? This is the power of hospitality. What if you turned your home into a place? You created it. You created your home. God created your home and you allowed God to create in your home a space of encounter, a space of healing. Have you not noticed that in the word hospitable, there's hospital? Your home becoming a hospital, your home becoming a healing place, your home becoming, that's what the book of Acts was. It was believers coming together, making their homes into hospitals. And yes, they shared and they broke bread, but they had everything in common. They met each other's needs. They prayed. They read the Bible. They taught. They spoke. They laughed. They ate again. And it was a lot of food. You see a lot of food in the book of Acts. But there's a lot of revival, a lot of power, a lot of forgiveness, and a lot of growth. And God would add and he would multiply right, those to the, uh, those of the church daily, and the church would grow daily. I'm here to tell you, whatever's, whatever 
beauty you can discover in this month of December, whether you're in New York, whether you are in California, whether you're in Texas, right? Everybody, for the most part, most people like, they love Christmas. Why? The songs have to do with Christ. The songs, most of the songs are biblical. It's about Jesus. It's about, and who cares that he wasn't born in December and he was born in April. Listen, if you want to put a tree up in April, go ahead. It doesn't really matter. Don't get, don't major on the minors, someone said, and minor on the majors. Here's the major thing about Christmas. It is a day where we commemorate the birth of our soon coming king, that was given to us according to Philippians 2 through a spirit of hospitality. God being hospitable, the Father shared his son with us as a gift so that we would be included in the family of faith. Man, I pray that this podcast has blessed you. I know it has me. It's been amazing. And I want to just let you know that we are, share it, listen to it, write the verses on it, and we want to bring you, we want to bring you good substance, good content. We want to make it practical, and we want you to continue thriving. Follow us on Facebook, Mark Vega, follow us on Instagram, let someone know about Now Podcast. We are entering 2023 and let me just tell you we've got some amazing projects that are on the horizon and it is sure to bless your life again this is pastor mark vega and remember in the spirit of hospitality don't just enjoy christmas be christmas god bless you